tonight on Unsolved Mysteries, Real to Murder, Miracle Cross, Update, Robin Hood, and Nudist Fraud. Hi, I'm your co-host, Crystal. And I'm your other co-host, Robert. And this is Reenacted, an Unsolved Mysteries podcast. Uh, Robbie, did you hear about um, the UFO sighting over Southern California last week? I did not. Oh, sorry, you can't see me. I put huge air quotes around UFO sighting. Oh, okay, okay. Well, I I kind of... uh, There was certainly... degree of incredulousness about <laughs> how you said that so <laughs> how dryly i said it yeah um well i was i was thinking in our, our last episode we talked about um missing time and wait mm-hmm. that was the episode before last sorry uh, well, we talked it, about it's... missing time uh you ever experienced a period of missing time how um there recently the new york times had put out a piece about how ufos are real and harry reed (laughs) believes in aliens and um (laughs) the pentagon had been funding a program to basically funnel money to some billionaire's company in southern nevada to find ufos we we talked about that i think yeah we i think we did at the end of the last episode at any rate um so last week over, I think it was, I want to say December 23rd, so this is going to date our this podcast a little bit, uh, there was a SpaceX rocket launch from Vandenberg Air Force Base, which is out near San Bernardino in Southern mm-hmm. California. Um, and given that the New York Times story had come out, I don't know that that many people read it, but there were a lot of folks who looked up in the sky uh, that evening and thought we were being invaded. And so if you, if you want to go and look at, uh, I, I foolishly didn't know this was going on. So my dumb ass was in my apartment, just like washing dishes or something. I could, all I had to do was basically go out on my porch and look up and I could have seen this amazing feat of science. Um, It was I think the reason the videos and pictures are so amazing is because they did it right at dusk. So um, the sky is dark, but there's an, the sun uh, is hitting the rocket enough that you can really clearly see uh, the the fuel bits falling away as it goes up into the atmosphere. It's really incredible. So if you if anybody wow. has a chance to go look at that video, I couldn't stop watching it the next day. Um, uh, it's certainly more impressive than any UFO footage I've ever seen. <laughs> uh, and and right about the time we're probably going to release this episode, if you happen to live in Southern California, they're going to uh, SpaceX is going to do another one. I think the third week of January. So um, check that out. So in your um, not really UFO news, but just cool space shit <laughs> news. <laughs> But I really blew it. Like, at, like people were pulling over on, you know, the PCH, and they were like, "Okay, this is happening." Because it's not like a p- announcement went out to people in Southern yeah. California. I mean, we can get an Amber Alert about a gray Corolla, but we can't get a heads up about a rocket. I don't know. They well, need to figure to, that out. <laughs> if it makes you feel any better, 
I almost certainly would not have gone out to watch this, even if I knew <laughs> it was happening. Oh. Because I, I just prefer to not leave my house as much as possible. There's that, um, too. Yeah, so. like, you know, I, I'm really bad. Anytime people on Facebook are talking about the latest meteor storm or once in a lifetime you get to see whatever planets or uh you know comments or whatnot yeah. uh, i'm probably just inside Tokyo's pizza well <laughs> <laughs> good i mean why go outside totino's All right, so should we should we get down to the the dirty business of Ypsilanti real estate? Man, uh, I'm sure glad that you pronounced the name of that town, so that spares me from having to try to pronounce it throughout the remainder of this. Well, just don't ask <laughs> me to spell it. Um, well, I I won't <laughs> because I have have it have it here in my notes because I looked it up on Google. Oh. And yeah. did we, what did we learn about Ypsilanti? Uh, just how it's spelled. No other fun facts? Uh, I, I was pretty singular, single-mindedly on just trying to find the spelling. Um, well, um, you know, in the spirit of uh, being less detail-oriented in 2018... Uh, yeah. I failed to write down um, any real identifying details about this case, like when it took place. Well, you don't really. Yeah. I, I, well, that's part of our, our decision that we are going to be less yes. detailed note oriented yes. because that's what that mysterious person told you. Yes. It's all uh, it's all about the improv now. It's all about the uh, witty observations. So there's a real estate agent, man. 11, 10 a.m., January 11th, 1984. Okay, okay thank you. <laughs> and this man's name is Jack. I got that far. but uh, That's all you need. So, so a couple of robbers bust into a, a real estate office. But that's weird because mm -hmm. real estate offices don't like carry cash or anything. What are they doing? <laughs> um, so immediately Robert Stack's narration says that the robbers seem to know the layout of the office. Um, but immediately after that in the reenactment, the robbers are shuffling people into the back and they ask them where the restroom is. <laughs> like, it's the very next shot. So it's like, well, clearly that wasn't communicated to the reenactors that they already knew yeah. the layout of the building. Anyway, two dudes with guns come in. They put a bunch of employees back in the bathroom. They shoot this guy, Jack. Uh, don't don't just like uh, skip this, this this part of the reenactment is is the best where like the one uh, assailant goes in because Jack sees them through the window in his office and you, you hear him uh, the reenactor he's talking to someone on the phone and he says something like hey I think we have a problem here <laughs> and the assailant comes in and do you, I mean, do you remember the dialogue they had? I, I don't remember the dialogue they had. Actually, all I wrote down was a bunch of questions <laughs> that had nothing to do with the actual case that I was hoping we could get to. But uh, yeah, well, what, 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 is it, what does the reenactor say again? The guy with the gun? Well, 
the, the assailant comes in, and before he really, you know, waves the gun into Jack's face, because I think up to this point they're just being menacing, um, uh, he asks Jack, you think you're pretty smart, don't you? Which was actually a That's question. That's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that was actually a question I was going to, like, ask you at the start of this recording. Um so Jack responds, he starts responding, he says, well, and right as he said, well, the assailant pulls out his gun and aims it at Jack. And so there's a pause and he says, maybe, <laughs> <laughs> which I feel is exactly the sort of answer I would give if someone with a gun asked me that question. You know, it's like, you're, you're, you're kind of like, you're trying to figure out like, what kind of answer is this uh, assailant wanting? Are they actually asking what your sort of general IQ is relative to the population and they want an accurate answer? Or do they think that if you say yes, you're going to be smart-mouthing at them? I Well, I've always felt like you you think you're pretty smart, don't you? It's more of a rhetorical question. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, definitely it was probably rhetorical in this situation because the assailant then shoots and kills Jack. Wrong answer, <laughs> motherfucker. Um, you know, uh, we we also get some reenactments later with the re- this part was a bit confusing because so far in season two they've just been using actors and mm-hmm. uh, this time they actually get Jack's widow to participate in a reenactment but it's with because Jack is dead. From the shooting. It's with the reenacting. It's with the, the reenacting. Re- re- and I just had to wonder, like, what do you think their chemistry was like? Like, do you think the reenactor, like, went really method and was asking Jack's <laughs> widow, like, all, but like, like, how did Jack hold his coffee cup? You now, know? I want you to refer to me as Jack when yeah. we're not shooting. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, to have dinner ready when I come home. <laughs> um... <laughs> oh, you know, I, I actually, I, I guess I feel kind of, um, it, it probably was a difficult situation for a little bit of an awkward situation for the actor, because you're introduced to this woman who you're told you're going to be, I mean, you're going to be playing her husband, deceased husband, like, ooh, uh, but yeah, <laughs> you're right. I hadn't, I hadn't realized, I mean, I noticed that like the people, the office staff seem to be played by the actual people too. Was am I correct? And in- I think yeah, I think that was right. So the only yeah. reenactors they had obviously were the guy playing Jack, who who looked pretty spot on compared oh, to Jack. Oh yeah, Spados. yeah. No, I mean, he he was like I I looked up some picture. I was looking at a picture of Jack, and yeah, it's 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 about as close as you can get. It, it's like Gettysburg, the f- feature film level of closeness hmm. and sorry uh, I didn't hmm. mean to get support. you know what I remember about the film Gettysburg is that it consisted of four to six VHS tapes <laughs> uh, there there you know there was a lot to that movie and if you bought the special edition uh, that TNT put out uh, there's even more even more VHS tapes of footage. I mean, I mean, literally. I, 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 I'm assuming you're going with hyperbole there. The, the movie really wasn't four or five VHS tapes. But it was, was two. It, it was two. 
Yeah. I, I remember the, it being like one of those ones like Malcolm X where it was just was several VHS tapes because the movie was so long. Right, right. Well, I, I imagine if you're not really into the Civil War, uh, watching the movie Gettysburg, probably it does probably feel like it's five or six VHS tapes long. <laughs> Um, well, we can save we we will save our major VHS and video store discussion for uh, for, for, the for a more appropriate segment later later in this episode. Um, so so anyway, they're they're doing some reenactments. The, the the implication, I you know, I really Robbie, I'm so sorry, I wasn't following the. Pl- I've watched this episode twice now too, and I really wasn't <laughs> following the plot. I was getting really hung up on some things like. Um, when they interview Jack's coworker, it seemed like it was kind of his his other real estate agent partner. Yeah. Um, his partner refers to Jack buying the farm, uh, which <laughs> I thought was a really unfortunate realty pun. <laughs> oh wow! I didn't even catch that. Nice. Yeah. Um, but moving on, you know, they they're making a case for Jack being really. Uh, they've done this a couple in a couple other segments too where it's like this man seems like he's a really upstanding citizen but yet he was involved in all this like bad shit probably and <laughs> um <laughs> that's literally how it goes he was involved with all this uh, bad shit yeah uh probably. like they they make a case and they show the picture of jack with his rotary club and you know i think we've all been to a high school football game and we all know that the concession stand is uh you know supplied by the rotary club but damned if i i know what a rotary club is or what Uh, they do it's like uh it's like uh, the it's like the elks right or or you know only i I don't know (laughs) No, uh, like, are they more civically they, minded? I don't. What is uh, it that that's, they do? that's that's what I was just about to speculate on. I mean, their 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 logo is some sort of is a bunch of gears, right? Rotors. Yeah, I'd imagine. Rotors. <laughs> <It's a> rotary <laughs> club. Uh, you know, so it's. Um, is it like a secret order of mechanics? Do you think they? Oh man, do you think they have like different levels? Like, did Jack have his thirty-three degree level ring for the Rotary Club? I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I I really th- I think we ought to do like a minisode where we discuss all these sort of uh, organization, like the Elks and the Rotary Club and the Shriners and the um the uh, what's the what's the weird one out here? The Clampers. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's that's a local thing here yeah. in like the Sierra. Yeah. In the back- area yeah the, uh, the clampers there i we really ought to do a little mini side where we in, investigate uh what some of these organizations are about you know it, it would kind of be relevant because it seems like more than one of the people that we've uh, discovered on this show uh in the various segments belongs to one of these organizations yeah oh and also the the freemasons the knights of columbus i mean it's it's endless yeah um absolutely i well well, i i don't know if you're going to return to this um when when he was having his when they had the reenactment involving the wife and the jack reenactor in the car um did like the 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 their conversation, which I can understand why your notes on this program are all just questions, because this is a very vague segment. I mean, it we is. Have, there's not there's yeah. not a lot of there there. 
to yeah. discuss, you know? Like, like, we really don't have any idea what the heck Jack was killed for. Uh, not at all. all. All we got is this clue that, like, they're coming home from a party, and Jack apparently kind of drunkenly asked his wife, like, hey, suppose you knew about, like, some important, powerful people that were involved with stuff and you wrote their names down on a piece of paper and put it in a safety safety deposit box. And that's, that's all we got. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, it's like draw your own conclusions. Yeah. So what happened to Jack? Uh, We do get some artist renderings of uh, what the two uh, shooters, or I guess shooter and then other assailant, look like um which unsolved mysteries loves to do we get a lot of drawings <laughs> uh one of the the guy who shot jack looked a lot like a young like robert patrick to me i don't know if you got like... okay I, I well i'm looking at the pictures right now i yeah. i can see that uh, he's, he's the one without the hat right yeah without the hat yeah yeah no no i i, I got that especially his hair his hair is very mm-hmm. much of that Terminator 2. Yeah, he's a very T-1000 looking motherfucker. Holy shit, he is. <laughs> uh, so, I guess what we're saying here is Jack was murdered by proto-Terminators. And we don't <laughs> quite know why he was targeted. Uh, also, we don't get any sort of update. So, go fuck yourself is basically what Unsolved Mystery says. To yeah, us, the viewer, yeah. about this segment. It seemed like they didn't really put much effort into it. They really didn't. Um, It's, I I, I think because they will use up all their time and effort investigating the next segment that we're going to talk about. I almost set a timer at the beginning of the segment to see how much of the episode it really occupies. Um, But, you know, I don't want to step on your toes, Robbie, if you're wanting to. No, well, it doesn't. It certainly doesn't feel like they there there was much that happened here. We got the reenactment of the the initial assault. We got yeah. the ride home. They talked a little bit with uh, uh, his um, you know family and friends and coworkers. I, I, I also seem to recall like they interviewed a cop or something, and he was like, "Yeah, we don't really." have any notion of any shady stuff that jack may have been involved with or anything that was just shady there's Uh, nothing there's no leads here um what what i will say i'm not even sure what the call to action was at the end of the segment (laughs) other than here's the thing that happened yeah actually it does kind of feel like that like this 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 was uh you know they, they were kind of okay that they didn't uh, actually get this one solved uh, normally they, they kind of are a little more urgent I was actually what stuck out to me uh, most was did you see that pipe that reenactor Jack was carrying around the pipe yeah he had like a, a you know like a pipe like you like like you know, a smoking uh, pipe or like a lead pipe for plumbing? like a smoking pipe oh. uh, they several times it was on his desk and then when he had a conversation with his partner at the real estate place. He had it with them and he took it out to talk. And <laughs> the way he took it out, it was just, uh, I, 
I don't. I, I'd like to know whether like real Jack actually carried a pipe around like that with him, or if this was just uh, an innovation they put in. But I liked it. it, no, it's, it looked- all, it's all part of the method. Like I feel like yeah. Jack, the the actor who plays Jack, probably <laughs> showed up in Ypsilanti like weeks ahead of time, right? <laughs> and he's just like, "Let me walk a mile in Jack's shoes." And part of the method was, you know, how did how was he smoking his pipe? Um, was he a drinker? What bar did he hang out in? Like. Mm-hmm. Was he, you know, right or left-handed? I really feel like he, like, the reenactor Jack did a lot of prep work for uh, this role. Yeah. Including sleeping with Jack's wife. Probably, yeah. <laughs> I mean, she didn't seem, I mean, I don't want to go there, but she didn't seem super bummed out. Well, yeah, you know, I mean, she she obviously was not so she was keeping it together. She, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's keeping it together enough that she could even replicate uh, the time that she looked all through that one desk for any clue as to what Jack was up to. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, uh, I, I know I, I like uh, the, the segment was, uh, I, I, I wouldn't say this was my favorite segment, but yeah. there was a couple of neat little moments in it and it was, seemed relatively short. So it was definitely not like a gigantic trial of my patience. So, yeah, yeah. I, I'm just I'm not really sure what the takeaway was here. So Jack Jack's dead. Jack's yeah. He's killed. He bought no the, one knows why. He he bought the farm. Bought the farm. <laughs> yeah yeah. Uh, it's just it's a shame that they uh, the depiction of him talking with uh, one of his customers wasn't about a piece of farm real estate and. Mm. Instead, she was looking for like a really nice Victorian. Yes, that's right. Oh. But, but, yeah, a classic Victorian, I think. Is classic Victorian. Yeah. yeah. What's our next seg- segment? Is it the crucifix or the? Yeah, it's it's uh, the unexplained. <sighs> and let me tell you. Um, <laughs> When it comes to unexplained cases, I'm usually prefer ghosts or UFOs. So when I get a miracle, quote unquote, um, uh, Robbie, that has not been certified by the Vatican. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And we even get a a, a little segment about miracles that get certified by the Vatican, including the one that took place in Portugal, where some kids said that God was going to prove his existence or something on a particular day so um, bunch- yeah there's a town uh, in it's like, a portuguese sounding town there's a yeah there's a town there's the miracle of Fat- fatima which they talk about a little bit where the sun touched the earth <laughs> which is isn't that what usually happens when the clouds give way and no no this- no 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 like the, oh. the sun was like zipping around all over the place, like as the orb in the sky touched the earth. The sun literally came down to to the planet Earth. Well, uh, here's the thing: I don't want to get too much into it because I feel like Unsolved Mysteries a couple seasons down the line really oh, gets into this. Ah, you're right. I think it does. Um, but they mention it, and then they're talking about a town. I think it's either in Yugoslavia. Yugoslavia, which. I think. R.I.P. Yugoslavia. 
But uh, I have a new wife. She's nice. Um, wait. <laughs> is Yugoslavia still a country? What am I thinking of? Czechoslovakia? Uh, Which one of those right. isn't a country anymore? Y- Yugoslavia. Okay. It's now like six or seven or more pieces. Uh, okay. Well, it's yeah. uh, it was a uh, the other one, and it's a. It, I could not repeat the town name, but yeah, it's uh, they they make quite a to do about this miracle that happened in Yugoslavia, which they will return to later. Um, but yeah, I uh, one of the other things I noticed. So, what town in Pennsylvania does this? A- Ambridge, Ambridge, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Um, it's they do some real like, uh, what did I call it? <laughs> it's like <clears throat> Rust Belt decay porn. Oh, um, where they like never... look at this sad, shitty little town that once used to be great. They have so little going for them. Look at their <laughs> broken factory. Um, look at their dumb little church. It felt. Uh, <laughs> wow. Yeah, I mean, they didn't say those things, obviously, but Robert Sack's narration is just making it sound like there's not this little town was once great, and now it doesn't have much going for it. So, well, I, I think that if you're if you're trying to create this narrative that. Um, you know, the people in this town are just looking for something inspiring to happen, right, right. And then it's totally the sort of thing you want to say. Yeah. Um, I think this is this is what we would call uh, in this day and age, Trump country. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, totally. <laughs> I can't wait for that to be a dated reference. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> moving on. The other thing I, I wanted to clarify before either of us really start jumping into this segment too much is that um am i correct in assuming that that you were not raised catholic uh yes i i I seem to if i recall our, our conversation on this matter that i come from catholic ancestry um but never uh, i mean my mother certainly didn't attend services mm-hmm. i mean I, I think she she definitely uh i'm sure believed but um was just you know not really into the whole going to somewhere on sunday thing mm-hmm. and so yeah so i you know obviously this you know it takes several hours for me to explain my my entire theological viewpoint, but yeah, I wasn't raised Catholic, yeah. so okay. we can talk about we can talk about anything in this segment, and I I, I won't be offended. Okay, well, well, the the reason I bring it up is because I certainly have have no experience with like Catholic ritual or dogma, or hmm? um, I maybe once in my life I went to a Catholic service, but it's not how I was raised. So the so the first thing is like I I want to tread kind of lightly because there's a lot of like uh sort of rituals and um things that they discuss in this that kind of went over my head because i I just don't have that shared experience uh but uh all of that said um let's let's blow this shit up (laughs) (laughs) i just wanted to get that out of the way just because i i'm woefully ignorant and a lot of yeah we're not uh, practices it seems like that, like our our position is not too dissimilar from the official Catholic Church position on this, or is that a spoiler? Um, 
Well, I mean, we should probably like talk about what it is. <laughs> yeah, everyone, everyone's listening is like, what the hell are they? Talking what are they about? even on about? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's the there's the short version, which is right. Yeah, basically, um, at the Holy Trinity Church in Ambridge, Pennsylvania, there was this uh, crucifix, uh, very large, you know, large human, you know, human size scale crucifix with a statue of uh, Jesus on it. And apparently, according to uh, various people at this church, at some point, this statue of Jesus, who it had its, its eyes were open when it was put, pulled up there. Its eyes had shut close. And so we get a segment with, where about 95% of the reenacting is of various church members looking up, trying squinting their eyes, trying to like discern whether the eyes on the statue are closed mm-hmm. and people going up and down ladders. Mm. Yeah. And that that's, that's really what you got. Yeah. Uh, well, there's a it's sort of to try and add some validity to it they do the first part of the reenactment is the uh artist who restored the crucifix um, right and so they show him like so i i guess there had to have been a stand-in crucifix that wasn't the actual one in the church when they show him like i'm assuming that eyes open yeah um and that one is it's a real weird looking crucifix it's got a really odd face i don't know it really creeped me out it's not the one that's in the church but they're standing crucifix with the eyes open one is um really spooky anyway uh so they interview the artist and the the guy's getting like really choked up when he talks about this being a miracle and obviously he's it's a project that he's put a lot of time and effort in into restoring the town's crucifix um so uh you know, the archdiocese from Pittsburgh, the highfalutin archdiocese of Pittsburgh is uh, asked to investigate the cred- credulous credulity, credulity, <laughs> yeah, of um, this being a, a miracle. And I get this is where I learned something. I, I guess the Catholic Church has some kind of miracle committee where oh, yes. they sent out like a squad to go investigate claimed miracles. Um, and then they have like a really rigorous criteria that things need to meet to be considered an official miracle. Robert Stack tells us that only two in the last century have been yeah. determined to be actual miracles. Um, I, what's funny to me <laughs> about this <laughs> is the level of rigor that the Vatican applies to this they're like you can't just be going around saying you know somebody not having cancer anymore is a miracle because you pray like you need to have evidence of a miracle uh and um yeah so i i didn't know about any of that until the segment oh okay yeah yeah. the vatican was was uh so bureaucratic you know right right i i guess i guess yeah if you if you hadn't uh, and, yeah, I, I was vaguely aware of this, uh, the sort of stuff, because yeah, like precisely, you know, they are trying to avoid having all sorts of nonsense get conflated in uh, as, as miracles, cause, you know, because 
like you say, anyone can claim anything is a miracle. I mean, that one time when I didn't complete my econ midterm as an undergraduate Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. I go walking off to the class, uh, the classroom with a sense of doom only to discover that the teacher has somehow for some reason canceled class that day. And we have to turn it the midterm in the next class meeting. Let me tell you, that felt like a miracle. <laughs> um, but it's not. Not. I the think you know. I think that would be more of a miracle than probably what's going on with this crucifix. Well, yeah, because in my case, it actually happened. Uh huh. Um, so. Because, <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, uh, I, I'm not really sure how much there is to talk about this because, yeah, I mean, they investigate. Well, this, uh, is, they... this is something that Unsolved Mysteries spends a lot of time on only to kind of debunk in the end. Right. Um, which isn't like them. But no. uh, they also, so going back to the town in Yugoslavia that had experienced this uh, miracle, um they're uh, a large population of the parishioners of this church are of yugoslav descent uh many of them make pilgrimages back to this town in yugoslavia to Mm. go be a part of this church and this miracle so i the implication unsolved mysteries is putting in here is they were looking for something for their town they already had an inclination to believe in these sorts of things because of that yugoslavian miracle connection um Mm So I, uh, the other thing is we get pictures pre and post uh, eyes open and close. Yeah. Um, Robbie, what did you think about that? Like, what conclusions did you draw? Well, seeing those pictures. Looking at the two different pictures, I would say that they look exactly the same. Yeah. Yeah, they did. I I mean really I'm looking at I'm looking at the image right now. Oh, okay. And yeah, it's it's exactly the same. And, and it's it's exactly the same. Um I or can see Or is that just what the Vatican wants us to think? Us to, to think? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um No, they're right. Okay. They're, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that answer i uh the the segment wraps up though basically with um you know unsolved mysteries tends to be very generous with these types (laughs) of things and even though that they've kind of like slapped down this as being anything um where they leave it is even more depressing which is to (laughs) say like well, you know, these poor little, you know, it's like a pat on the head. These poor little people in this church, this is really all they have that's keeping them from walking into the river and mass and ending their sad little lives. <laughs> yeah, that that is actually kind of the tone taken with, with this. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, well, I, I guess, you know, and, and that's the, the little bow on their story of this, you know, community that just doesn't have anything going for it uh this you know man even the the image they showed of the closed down steel mill that building looked like the building itself was just completely rusted up mm-hmm. i mean it's it's the lit- it's the literal rust belt yep uh, yeah <laughs> god yeah but, you oh, know, but also like think about you know this show came out in 1989 maybe 90 right? 
and that was almost 30 years ago. And, right. you know, we, can we check in with Ambridge if anybody is from there, has visited? I'd like to hear what's going on. Are they doing better? Did they get a mall? Is there a Chick-fil-A? Do people have jobs? I want to know. So I, have, have they transitioned to like this sort of post-industrial economy where there's like a biotech firm yes. in town or something? I would like to know. Yeah. Uh, it'd be nice to know that they they have i mean i could easily wikipedia it but you know i'd like our viewers to fill us in what's going on with ambridge all of our viewers in ambridge all all of our viewer (laughs) in ambridge pennsylvania (laughs) which i imagine if there's even one that would constitute about five percent of our audience um yeah yeah uh robbie did you did you like this segment uh you know a a couple of the you know the interviews with various members of the catholic church were interesting but really the reenactment itself was pretty underwhelming i mean (laughs) it was very odd yeah yeah (laughs) i i guess i guess there's not there's not too much you can really do with it and they 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 try but really all you're getting is just people looking up and, you know, straining their eyes and their necks and people going up and down ladders. Yep. That's what this reenactment was. Yep. Uh, so that takes us, uh, we go, we go from uh, the unexplained to a fraud or an update or a fraud update a fraud date um it's an up fraud yeah up fraud yes uh and surprisingly this one isn't from medford oregon either no (laughs) and this must be hearkening back to some segment that originally aired in season one that we've just decided to skip right over so um so go ahead yeah, no, it's 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 just it's a basic fraud case. There's this guy named Sheldon Weinberg, and he had two sons, and they opened up a free clinic somewhere in Brooklyn. Um, and this clinic was basically just a means to fraud Medicaid. Like, uh, as we eventually find out, they've pretty much just created a bunch of fictitious patients so they could bill medicaid for far more than they were providing um you know th- this included like <laughs> when, when when the auditor eventually went through the documents they found like a four-year-old who was smoking two packs of cigarettes a day and had a heavy alcohol addiction which i know you know that that potentially could could happen um <laughs> but then you know the uh the the man the men being treated for gynec ecological issues maybe mm. not so much no probably not no yeah um i that just seems like uh, i don't know how they cook their books but this seems like some really sloppy fraud doesn't it like totally sloppy like they they said that like the auditors it only took them a few weeks and they figure all this out so uh i'm really yeah it's 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 shocking it, it is so shocking you would think that they would they would at least come up with more realistic, fictitious, yeah, <laughs> uh, fake patients. But yeah, uh, there 
since this is an update, I'm assuming we're not getting the full bits of reenactments that we got mm-hmm. in, in the original segment. But there are some real nice bit uh, bits and pieces in here. Like in the they they should briefly show a few seconds of Sheldon and his two sons. I think they were Jay and Ron. Um, they were in some office going over their various documents for their 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 scheming, and there was a computer on, the, on their desk. And man, this thing was huge. The you know it's like you know how the monitors on computers back. 20 years ago were pretty damn big mm-hmm. the this thing the the monitor seemed like twice as long as that so it kind of seemed like you know it had the dimensions of a head from one of the aliens from the movie alien um it, it was just it was just you know it was so delightful <laughs> it was so del- in this era of flat screen monitors and computers that way less than a book it was just so delightful to see that um other than that there really wasn't much reenacting going on uh we we did get a really good they showed some images of the lifestyle that sheldon and his sons were living and it is totally extravagant con- over conspicuous consumption uh and included in that is a picture. I, I can't remember which of his sons it is, but it looks like it, it's like an image from a advertisement out of a magazine for who knows what product. And it's his son standing next to a sports car that is next to a private jet. <laughs> and it was just the, the is there, wait, are there any supermodels in this picture? I can't remember. Oh God. Um, you know, I can't remember distinctly, but it definitely felt like it definitely felt like he he was not alone in the picture. Um, so I'll just say yes. Because <laughs> that sounds like some late '80s Fortune magazine barfarama. I yeah, that, that's totally what it looks like. I mean, the, it has this glossiness to the image. It looks like it totally looks like that. Um, so for for you, uh, millennials, <laughs> uh, that might be listening. Um, there there was a show. Uh, you see, the late nineteen eighties were a period of excess. Uh, you know, the economy was doing really well for some people. It was all about, you know, big shoulder pads with your suits and private jets and gold-plated things and getting the right reservation. If you want a completely accurate historical recreation of what this period of time was like, possibly for the, uh, for the, was it the Weinbergs? <laughs> uh, the, the Weinbergs, yes. For the Weinbergs or anybody living in this sort of uh, upper crust of Manhattan, there's a really good documentary called American Psycho that you might want to check out. <laughs> um, it follows the life of a young man uh, as well-to-do. Um, so if you re- really want a good slice of life um, and, and to see what we're talking about here, I, I really recommend that documentary. Um, we do get... <laughs> <laughs> But is that not a real movie? <laughs> uh, well, yeah, you know, it, it's funny. I, I, I thought for 
American Psycho is a really good movie to like get a feel for what life was like and you know being living a super hollow super rich life in the uh eight, late 80s but i i kind of like if our millennials really want to get a a, a a you know primary document of mm-hmm. that feel mm-hmm. they should go to google i'm uh, not google but youtube and search for lifestyles oh, of yes. the famous <laughs> uh which really is, 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 is I mean, basically, they just, you know, the characters of, of American Psycho are pretty much just dropped right down into one of those uh, uh, locations. Yeah, it's a it's like a early version of MTV's Cribs. Yes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I'm so glad we did a millennial catch up. We haven't done a millennial catch up in a while. And I. You know, yeah. I really wanted, I want millennials to understand the, like, the look and feel of uh, the trash pit that was the late 80s. <laughs> horrible hair, horrible clothes, horrible. It was, it was just too much everything. Uh, speaking of, so uh, the, the funny thing, actually, at the beginning of this update segment is that the, I think it was the prosecuting attorney, um, makes a comparison, <laughs> speaking of late 80s, makes a comparison of these, of this family to living in excess in the style of Imelda Marcos. So again, yes. millennials, if if you want to, under, please, please Google Imelda Marcos. I am woefully ignorant to her, but my understanding was she had a, she was like the wife of uh, uh, a ruler in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. And um, had like, tens of thousands of pairs of shoes yeah yeah i mean meanwhile while a normal filipino person can afford to like buy bread so it was a, you know anyway please go look that up uh so we so our update the actual update that was the case the actual update brings us these these fuckers have been captured they've been yes. captured it was it was immensely satisfying to see that they've been they've been captured uh, you know, uh, and man, the, the judge chastises Mr. Weinberg really harshly. Um, you know, she's just not, you know, dispensing just business. Can like, I, well, can I do my impression of her? <laughs> yes, please do. She was, a, she's a real judge Judy hard ass. Yes. Like you can, you can, t- she's a real Ruth Bader Ginsburg, you know, didn't, didn't grow up with much and she's not having it with Mm -hmm. them and she's like this is a crime of violence against the people of new york man that you're doing good did i do a good job that 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 is the best that is the that is the best best ruth most moskowitz uh judge beth ruth moskowitz impersonation i've ever heard and, and and even if it even even if it's the only one I've heard, I'm yeah. sure that if I had like a sample of about a hundred people, yours would fall in the oh, top okay. well, five percentile. Yeah. Well, and and then she goes on to say that Medicaid is not to be used to be living in Trump Towers. Was she was that? I'm confused. Were these guys? <laughs> did they actually own property in Trump Towers, or is that just, uh, you know? Or did they? Is it uh, just a fill in for living lavishly? Oh, I, like, know. like, yeah, the person, that's a valid question, because I kind of feel like 
it did seem the person they were interviewing in interviewing and who who set, made that illusion like it could totally have just been him saying like they they were living a lifestyle such that they could have you know it, it's the equivalent of having a place in Trump Tower um so i'm not necessarily sure if if they 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 owned a property in Trump Tower um uh or it rather owned because they don't own shit now no, no, uh, they went Sheldon, to jail. Yeah, yeah. Sheldon served like 16 years before he was released. And uh, both his sons also served time. So, you know, um, I'm, I'm glad that they got what was coming to them. Uh, and that Unsolved Mysteries apparently cared enough to, like, try to implore people to... <laughs> to report on this <laughs> whereas uh, our first segment they're just like yeah something happened and and yeah this 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 was this, this was satisfying this was sad uh-uh. more satisfying than the first segment and all it was was supposed to be an update and i feel like we got <laughs> a lot more here than than the first segment yeah is it it's true yeah i i agree man Hey, Robbie, did you know that in 1989, there were at least 40,000 nudists living in the United States? Was that a statistic? That, that got... Yeah, that's what, they, that's what they're giving to us. 40,000. I must have missed that statistic. That seems like a lot. Um... Uh, it seems like, I don't know. It seems kind of on the low end. <laughs> and, and I mean, what are we what are we counting as a nudist here? Like people who are filling that in on their census form, or just I, you know, I if I'm home alone and it's not cold, I'm I live alone. I'm just saying, <laughs> does that make me a nudist? I mean, I don't like uh, go about my community business without clothes on, but I, you know, I well, I I guess. Oh, I'm um, sorry. No, the forty thousand includes the American naturalists nudist association members so if you're declared for for nudism okay so really the the number of nudists could be much greater these are just the ones that are yeah they're they're the ones paying their membership fees to the american uh nudist association (laughs) Uh, is that that really something that got mentioned no it was really a thing i didn't catch (laughs) this isn't like the new england association no no it's not like the thing that we made up this is um <laughs> this was a, this was at least a real thing that they mentioned in the segment. Oh, we're on segment. We're on the last segment of the show now. Uh by the way. I've uh very expertly segued um into our last case, which is a fraud <laughs> case. Um but it should be a uh, nude fraud case. It's a nude fraud case, but it really should be called a dirty fucking pedophiles. Yeah. Case because uh it's ultimately what I was envisioning recording the segment and knowing that I was going to be hitting my forehead on the microphone several times <laughs> with how frustrating it is. Um, what starts off is a pretty comical segment, I think, because they have to, they're showing like a nudist community and they're having to like conveniently place towels and like plants. And it's like. Uh, it's like Mike Myers uh, was brought in to like yeah. arrange for uh, everything where they they you know 
the actual nudities block because yeah. it is it is pretty comical uh, how they do it. How dare you break wind before me? I'm sorry, baby. I didn't know it was your turn. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it what. It's really almost the point of distraction. It would have, if they just shown people from a certain height up or something. Uh, and but yeah, and this like it's totally plants or, or strategically placed. People are turning just as someone's you know getting in the way. Yeah. It, it's. <laughs> uh, it was no, that's pretty funny. So so what we're uh, going to discuss is the Sunny Sands community uh, in Florida. Um. It's a family community, so if it is your inclination and desire, you are welcome to raise a family naked. Um, Mm -hmm. There's a bunch of naked kids running around in this episode. Um, What I was really, before I got too far into the segment, it raised the question if we could get an update from the kids that were raised in this community. Like... I, you know, your mom's cooking dinner, uh, you run up to her, you're eye level with, <laughs> mom, can I get a snack? I mean, the whole thing, I don't want to shame people, but that's a, that's a weird way to grow up. So if we could get an update from any of the kids that grew up in Sunny Sands, I'd, I'd appreciate it. Um, although during the interstitial interviews, uh, not the actual reenactments, the, so the folks that, I guess it's the co-op board of Sunny yeah. Sands. <laughs> we get interviews <laughs> with them. Uh, they're they're all wearing clothes, so mm-hmm. um, I guess you know their commitment to nudism is in question. Well, I, I mean, it, it, it's it's for you know. I mean, I, I think they're just they're they're being understanding of of, of you know that unsolved mysteries can't broadcast uh, certain things on television. Um, and you know, I, I, I mean, I kind of, I, I get the feeling that most of the people living there are, are pretty sincere about like whatever views they have on this. Cause mm-hmm. when, when our, um, scumbag, uh, is introduced to the story, uh, and his name's either Rusty Russell or it's revealed to be something else at the end. Cause he had like 5,000 aliases or something. Yeah. Um, they were kind of wary about letting him in initially because he was just a single guy. So I guess you know they, they they've probably their outlook is like, I mean they're 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 trying to find people who you know believe in whatever it is you know the getting in touch with nature or you know whatever and sincerely believe that. And I guess they're probably trying to keep out the guys who are just like wanting to ogle. <laughs> naked people yeah um, yeah but uh, um well they did a bad job by yeah, letting yeah, this guy into the community so, so uh so uh so rusty russell whatever his name is um he has some sort of scheme that he concocts I, did, did you understand it? Because I rewatched. I, did, I this. didn't get really get it. But what <laughs> I what I'm led to believe from the reenactment. So if, if you guys have seen the episode, it's just a reenactment, but everybody's naked. So um, the guy, this guy Rusty's going around to members of the community saying, "Listen, in order to, uh, I'm I got all these VHS tapes, you see, and I'm if you buy one from me." 
for for five dollars right now um i will in a couple weeks i'll buy it back from you for seven dollars and see this is how we're going to get around the irs and the tax man and and everybody's like yeah fuck the government i don't want to pay money (laughs) um so that's who these people are anyway uh, i i I guess i'd figure that a a colony of of nudists probably would have a a fairly high degree of libertarianism probably yeah Yeah. they probably don't really love paying taxes uh i don't but uh, other than that i don't i don't really understand what this whole vhs pyramid scheme is yeah i really don't understand like uh because like he's telling them that he you know he's doing it to like like somehow he's screwing over the government but i don't like because well part of this is he's opened a video rental store in nearby crescent city mm-hmm. um and we i i want to talk about this later on because it is glorious to look at this video rental place um why not we'll talk about it now Okay, man, it's a v. It's an it's an it's an old school video rental place with VHS tapes and big wood shelves. And, oh, it's just so glorious. Um, I I just I I miss the era of video rental places so much. I I would this would be the time where I would like subtly hint that maybe we should do a millennial catch up, but I kind of feel like you're going to say like, well, Robert, you know, Blockbuster only went out of business four years ago so yeah I'm, i bet most millennials remember what it was like to go at least run a dvd from a store a DVD, yeah. yeah yeah for sure um but but you know even then uh most most of the rental places they're familiar with are pretty much look identical i mean they're they're the blockbuster model they're the hollywood model mm-hmm. i mean this is this is the old time mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. what like the the walls or wood paneling they got mm-hmm. these signs up on the walls that are those like those black things uh background with the white magnet little letters that you use to, then to write out whatever it is you're you're writing out probably mm-hmm. like you know two for one rentals on wednesdays uh get a free bag of popcorn and when you rent more than x number of videos um it looks like the setup they have is they put the empty original boxes for the vhs tapes out on the the sales floor and then behind the counter they have those they have like a you know blank black cases that they put the tape the actual tapes into so Mm -hmm. you you go you grab your your empty vhs box or I, know, I, I didn't see if they had something alternate, like maybe there's little tags underneath the VHS uh, cases where you just pr- take the tag up. Mm-hmm. But uh, but then you actually get your films uh, uh, there at the counter. And later on, when they're when the nudists are trying to track down the, the financial uh, machinations of this guy, there, there's even posters all over the front counter uh, as, as you're walking up. And I distinctly saw they have the poster for Bat 21, which is a Gene Hackman <laughs> as a fighter pilot who needs to be rescued <laughs> uh, from behind an Amy Lines film. And then there was uh, a poster for Warbirds, which is basically a pilot needs to be rescued from behind an enemy Lines film. Uh, Married to the Mob with Michelle Pfeiffer. Mm. And then Classic, there's yeah. 
Yeah, and then there's two posters I I can't figure out because one of the the nudists is standing in front of it. Only you know they're wearing clothes because they're out in the normal world. Uh, I thought it, maybe it was the movie Leviathan, but I've looked at it a lot closely, more, more closely, and I don't know what it is. And there was another poster that I spent at least two hours last night googling v, you know movie posters from 1988, <laughs> and I cannot figure out what this poster is. For a brief for a brief moment, I thought it might have been a variant poster for. Lair of the White Worm, but I don't think so. I, so if if you're listening to this podcast and you decide to seek out the segment and you watch it and you know what this, the poster is of like some woman with long black hair and a black dress standing against like a burning background, please. And if you know what that movie is, please send us a tweet on our Twitter and tell me. Because it's driving me fucking crazy. Are you sure you checked the right year? Well, you know, here's the thing. I even tried. I even tried to um, give myself some some um, some uh, sort of safe space on either end because this segment takes most of the segment takes place during 1988, and like two of the movies that I mentioned were from then. But one was from 1989, so I searched for all of 1989 and all of 1987 just to give myself some margin of error, but I couldn't find anything from mm. any of those three years. Uh, and it's kind of interesting because I know I've, I've made movie poster and movie release dates kind of a, a thing mm-hmm. on the show, mm-hmm. and... I guess I should sort of knock the segment a little bit that they have like a couple, yeah, you know, at least one movie from 1989, uh, you know, poster on display before uh, when we're still in 1988. But I guess you know they filmed this in the actual rental biz, uh, business location and. They probably didn't have any uh, posters, uh, any other posters that were 1988 appropriate. So I give it a slide or, or a pass. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very important. Yeah, yeah. No anachronisms, please, in our re- reenactments. Right. Uh, you know, I'd love to keep talking about video stores. I used to, uh, one of my first jobs in high school was working in a video store. No shit. Yeah, really. Um, I actually, and then later, right before I went to college, that summer between high school and college, I worked at the, uh, remember the Hollywood video on North McCarran in Reno? Yes. I think it's an O'Reilly Auto Parts now. Yeah, I worked at that store. So I've worked at two video stores, um, both during the time. It was like that weird transitional period where it's, it was mostly VHS, but DVDs were like coming into the mix. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I, yeah. I never knew this about you, Crystal. Well, well I'm, I'm here. You're did, getting an exclusive and the did, viewers did are I getting ever, an exclusive. Did yeah. I ever mention that I worked at a Hollywood video too? No, I feel like we have had this conversation <laughs> <laughs> about at least Hollywood video. <laughs> okay. I guess we're going to have to do a mini episode about our experiences working at Hollywood Video. Uh, yeah, well, I, I we'll find a way to make it. W- make it one of the th- one of the things I I was just reminiscing about as you're talking about this is that um, if you've never carried like 
30 VHS tapes at one time to go put back uh, on the shelves. You haven't really lived, I think. No. Uh, <laughs> them, sh- did, them shits was heavy. Yeah, and did, people, did, like, don't rewind. They they don't. No, and they, and most of the, t- like, a lot of the time they couldn't even figure out that we would get so many tapes from, like, Blockbuster, which was down the street. <laughs> Do you remember that? So the Blockbuster was by the McDonald's. It was on the other side of the street. And then we were on the south side of the street with the Hollywood video in the Albertsons shopping center. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I know that you know where this is because we both kind of lived in the same neighborhood for a while in college. So... Oh man, like uh, that's a that's a that's a one percenter for sure for our <laughs> northern Nevada audience. <laughs> yeah, um, shit. Uh, we're, God, well, you know, it's funny you mentioned carrying thirty VHS tapes at mm. one time because when Rusty was going around doing this scheme, he was carrying the, you know the uh, the tapes in those those black blank black containers mm. around. Um, and I, I, I still, I'm still s- s- hung up on what, what the hell his scheme was. And, and actually I had one, here's one thing that did kind of occur to me. Um, if it's not like a legitimate scheme or somehow he's getting money from the government by selling people VHS tapes for $500 and then buying them back at 600. Um, <clears throat> I'm wondering whether this was actually just the initial setup for his con job hmm. where like he was, you know, he was taking a hit of a hundred dollars um, with several people to, to build up a reputation uh, to build up confidence that like, okay, you know, here's, he's got whatever this weird VHS tape scheme is and we've been making money off it. And then later, um, he then proceeds to, you know, ask for the however many thousands of dollars from multiple people um, to, uh, and since they, they've already done business, quote unquote, with them, they trust them more. So they're willing, like, because didn't he go up to one woman and ask for like $10,000 and, you know, she was mm-hmm. expecting that she'd get like 12000 back or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't know that that's, that, that, that's my conjecture that maybe some of this, maybe, maybe this initial part wasn't something he was making money off of at all at off of at all. He was just, it was this initial investment into the con. Um, and, and who's, we don't really get to know what his eventual end game was unless his eventual end game was to molest children because that's what he does. Uh, so this is what I well, been... insist that they were just wrestling, uh-huh. naked. <laughs> which, which, you know, the thing is, is when they talk with the, uh, the sheriff or the cop or, or, or whatnot, the cop is like, Hmm, well, admittedly, if anyone's wrestling in that place, it's going to be naked, but still. Yeah. Uh, I like that the cop at least was like, this doesn't really pass the sniff test. Yeah. For uh, what doesn't pass the sniff test for me is why the hell an eleven-year-old girl would be alone with a grown-ass man in his trailer in a nudist colony in the first place. But it was the '80s, and you know we hadn't watched all that Oprah yet or those Lifetime movies. We didn't know. We didn't know that it was not okay. Oh yeah, grown men and eleven-year-old girls to just be hanging out wrestling. 
it do, it does feel like there was probably a lot more of that going on 30 years ago like you know yeah. we'll just leave the uh you know our, our two little kids with bill and yeah. well yeah yeah uh so what ends up happening is that the we get the point of view from the mother obviously because the the child involved in this is still a minor at the time that this is filmed. Uh, so what ends up happening is this guy, Rusty, crosses a line in a major way. Um, the kid gets away from him, goes back, tells mom. Uh, mom files a report with the police, as she should. I'm glad she believed her kid. That was cool of her. Uh, unfortunately, the whole community comes down on her. Like, how could you say this about Rusty? Um, they, get, they get some dumb fucks on camera saying, well, you know... I, you know, I, maybe I'd believe the fraud part, but that, that he touched a kid is, you know, kind of, I don't, uh. well, cops show up, the cops show up. This is before anybody knows about the fraud. This is just on the, on the assaulting a child thing. The cops show up, uh, to, and the reenactment is in Rusty's trailer where he's sitting, uh, he's sitting on his couch. <laughs> <laughs> with uh he's you know very relaxed position and there is a conveniently placed vase uh remember this is a nudist colony um there's a vase on the coffee table and he tells tells the cops to come right in and i was wondering when they were doing the reenactment of the arrest if they were gonna let rusty put some clothes on before they took him to jail which they did because uh, yeah. I just thought that would have been funny. <laughs> just there was, there was <laughs> naked. Take him away in handcuffs. Yeah, he's naked and just throw him in the back of the cop car. Well, anyway, um, uh, while Rusty's in jail, some of the, the investors or business partners in the nudist community start going through Rusty's books and they find out that all of his accounts are overdrawn. He's in, you know, really bad financial shape that he's basically been fleecing people out of money. Um, so they start to have reason to believe that he's been up to no good, but before they can call the cops with this information, Rusty's let out on bail and, uh, by the most credulous landlord ever. Yeah. Yeah, I I mean, it's only when they start to see that Rusty may have been committing fraud and and has some financial trouble do they begin to believe he might have been been a bad guy. It uh, it wasn't yeah. enough. It wasn't enough that he was arrested for assaulting a child. Oh no, <laughs> it was because his bank accounts were overdrawn. <laughs> I I guess it does sound pretty horrible when when nobody when nobody happening. not a single person except like the mother of the child comes off in a good light in this segment i wonder None if that's them. something that was like if that was you know sort of an attitude that was more common with uh across the board with with potential you know sex abuse stuff yeah God. It was the kid was over exaggerating. The kid was making it up. Nobody believed kids. I mean, yeah. I I think I was pretty. I mean, hold on, let me rewind. I think if I were to tell my mother something when I was a child, she would listen to me. But the culture was such that just because your kid says you're going to believe the word of an adult over your own child, I think was right. the culture. Like, right. um, fortunately, uh, a lot has changed. <laughs> 
yes i hope or is changing is in the process of changing um to realize that a child has no incentive for making up this type of trauma and accusing an adult of it um and that yes this shit happens all the time so listen to your kids uh anyway um so i don't remember how this ends oh yeah (laughs) oh it turns out we get an update uh is this an update or is it just how the case um i think we get an update right because he fled or something because he had so many aliases wasn't that it so he gets out on bail and he he leaves town wasn't that the deal yeah yeah he 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 makes a a last round of of scheming he sells um he sells his business to the to the landlord uh he he sells his car like several different people he sells in fact i I believe he sold his business to three different people Mm -hmm. Uh, so yeah he gathers up all that cash rents a car flees um but he gets captured uh but as soon as this segment airs right the, uh, get, almost immediately yeah, yeah. somebody spots All, him in some other part of the country i think it was uh, south carolina where, where was it south carolina south carolina um he, yeah he gets he, picked up he gets extradited back to florida and as it turns out florida has some pretty tough laws if you <laughs> uh, assault a child under the age of 12 in fact uh, i think it's the death penalty is the worst thing you can get in florida that? that was that was on the table apparently. Um, and, um, and so our update is they locked his ass up for life. Goodbye. This was probably one of the most satisfying yes, updates we've ever got. You can go to jail forever. Is what you can do um, if you assault a kid in Florida, and I think that is a cool law florida so way to do something right (laughs) (laughs) yes yes uh it specifically was assault a child under the age of 12 and at the time the crime was committed the the girl involved was 11 years old so can can goodbye (laughs) you're in jail forever now uh yeah so so that that was the end of that uh robbie did you did you like this segment uh yeah it, it was well i mean it was fa- fascinating. Uh, certainly, I mean, w- once we found out it wasn't just a fraud case, it was a, a child molestation case. It was mm. not as fun as no, I would think. It, it would have been more fun if it, it had just been a nudist, defrauding nudist. <laughs> like, that would have been a fun, silly case, but it wasn't. Oh, yeah. Nudist, defrauding nudist, and a, a video store thrown in the mix. That would have this would have been like my in my top 10 favorite segments mm-hmm. i mean i can't really get uh, too much enjoyment out of something that involved like involved you know someone a child in real life was was har- seriously harmed uh but it was very satisfying that this guy got put away forever so yeah i like this So, uh, Robbie, unless you got something else, just uh, remind people to oh yeah, go <laughs> go onto our social media. Uh, twi- twi- our Twitter is really starting to liven up. Uh, thanks, Hannah, for uh, uh, dropping that that very kind comment to us. Han- Han- and Hannah, we're um, 
I'd, I'd love to get you some more episodes. Unfortunately, I, I have a uh, demanding, not, not really. I just, you know, I have another job. So uh, please spread the word about how much you like the podcast so I don't have to do that one anymore. And I can just do this podcast and make you all, make you all the episodes you could ever want. <laughs> uh, you get so, what you pay for. Yes. Yeah, so uh, tw- uh, did you get a, give out her handle? At uh, it's at, at reenacted pod. Yep. And then, yep. And we, we have a Facebook page that I made. Uh, good luck finding it. Um, <laughs> That's part of the fun. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, uh, be sure to, to leave reviews if you can on iTunes. Tell everyone uh, five stars preferable and tell everyone, you know, yeah, uh, word of mouth spread. is the is the way these things usually happen. So if you like what we're doing, tell your friends, tell your family, uh, tell your uh, fellow n- nudist colony members, um, tell your entire real estate office, tell your realtor. <laughs> well, that that sounds. Tell good. your church group. Tell uh, your church. <laughs> <laughs> tell tell everyone <laughs> really like reach into your community and let them know that uh, we're reviewing a show that's 30 years old and, and that a few people remember i'm sure that will connect widely with many <laughs> so anyway uh robbie want to want to do do a thing for every mystery there is somewhere ah oh, shit for every mystery there is someone somewhere who knows the truth? Perhaps that someone is watching. Perhaps it's you. <laughs> <laughs>